Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. I want you to be able to capture the scene with me as we did last week. There now in Bethlehem, the shepherds have now made it over those Judean hills. They're actually there in Bethlehem and they are now actually seeing with their own eyes the Messiah, the Christ, the very savior of the world. You've got to understand that they've been anticipating this as a people for a very long time. I mean, the, the, the emotions that must have flooded their hearts to actually now be witnesses to the Christ, to have angels along with a choir accompany this announcement must have been completely breathtaking. They must have been completely at a loss for words. And I can't think of any better appropriate word to capture what must have been going on in their minds and what was going on in their hearts than wonder. It's the same kind of wonder that Luke records Mary having as she hid these things in her heart, as she heard the announcement from the shepherds, uh, what they said and what the angels sang. She hid these things in her heart concerning her son and must have pondered over them over and over and over again. It's the wonder that, that, the, that the people who actually heard the report from the shepherds must have experienced as they heard this amazing announcement. Messiah is here, here in Bethlehem right now, really? Uh, it's the kind of wonder that broke out into praise when these shepherds from Judea began to praise and to glorify God for what they had seen, for what they had heard. And it's the kind of wonder that as we'll discover today, John the Apostle is recapturing for us as he experienced the life of Jesus. In, in, in John's gospel, the gospel of John, and his three letters that he writes, uh, John is, is retelling, he's recapturing much later in his life what he experienced as a teenager. He may have been very much like Seth, telling the story of, of his experience witnessing the wonder of Jesus. You know, what's interesting about the Gospel of John is that it, it, it stands out among the other three Gospels, what scholars call the Synoptic Gospels, right? And, the, and, and John's Gospel is unique because the majority of the content in the Gospel of John is not in those other Synoptic Gospels. Though they are completely in harmony with each other and tell the exact similar same events, particularly as it gets closer to the last week, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Messiah, he slows all the way down. So, so, so it's unique, and it also is unique because in there, uh, John captures for us very up-close, personal, intimate 
details about the character and divine identity of Jesus Christ. And it's as if John was looking at the other three Gospels and he said, look, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, uh, you missed a few details, you missed a few conversations, you missed a few scenes. I need to kind of capture some of the things that you left out of the movie, right? And as John here now writes his gospel, right, he then writes three letters later on in his life as he's getting older. He's got deep, strong pastoral concerns that I resonate with. And as he is now thinking about the church in general, but particularly the church that he was pastoring, very likely Ephesus where he pastored, which is in modern-day Turkey, he's got concerns. And so what he's doing is he's re now reapplying the same picture of Jesus and the same teachings of Jesus that he captured in his gospel. And he's applying them to the local context and situation of the church that he is addressing. And as you now enter into 1 John chapter 1, you can hear the absolute astonishment. You can hear the amazement in his voice, the, the wonder in his voice as he recounts, as he, here's the word, he recaptures the experience of the wonder of actually witnessing Jesus, hearing Jesus, and actually touching and handling Jesus. He's so, he's so transformed in the, in the, in the wake of the love and the grace of Jesus in his life that, that, that this guy who in his gospel describes himself as one of the sons of thunder, which is the nickname that Jesus gave him, uh, that, that, that he was a hothead. He was, how many of you got a hot temper? Maybe you don't want to raise your hand. You got a hot head where you can relate with John. John says, look, I had a hot temper until I encountered, until I experienced the wonder of Jesus. So much so that John is describing himself now at the Last Supper as resting his head on the bosom of Jesus. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be John? Resting your head on the bosom of Jesus, knowing in that moment that you're listening to the heartbeat of the almighty God of the universe veiled in a human body. When was the last time you have been awestruck by Jesus? Maybe for some of you today, especially in the midst of this the busyness and the hustle and the bustle of this Christmas season where, where even though the, the, the holiday has his name in there, has his title in there, Christ, in the word Christmas, but sometimes we, we, we miss the wonder of this baby in the manger that transformed the world. And maybe for some of us, this is an opportunity for us to recapture the wonder of experiencing Jesus. But this begs the question then, what is the result of recapturing the wonder of experiencing Jesus? And I believe the Holy Spirit today is inviting all of us, including myself, to open up our hearts and allow him to give us such a vivid picture of Jesus that we can now not only experience the result of recapturing the wonder of Jesus, but we can understand and experience the results of it, that we can, that we can allow him to do what he wants to do in and through our lives. And I want to invite you to come with me now to verse number 2 of 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 2, the Bible says, The life was manifested 
And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. This theme of life is a core theme in the Gospel of John and his three letters. As a matter of fact, the way he actually defines life is love. God is love. And that's how to live. And, and so this theme of life is constantly just coming out of his gospels, coming out of his letters. And so therefore, when he's describing Jesus, he'll describe him as, as the light of life. Amen? Then he'll describe him as the water of life. He'll describe him as the bread of life. And then he'll describe him as the resurrection and the life. And then Jesus is described as the word of life as he writes this letter and begins it. Because guess what he's doing? He's echoing back to how he began his gospel. That Jesus is the word who was with God and was God and came and dwelt among us. And yes, became a baby and needed his, his pull-up changed. And this is the almighty God of the universe. And so he's, he's there. He's trying to bring you back as he begins this letter. And he says, listen... This one who we have personally experienced. We've handled him. We've seen him. Don't believe the hype that he's just some kind of a, a spirit floating around. No. God was in flesh. And we experienced him. We touched him. And it's from this, it's from this personal experience that he shares the good news. It's out of the personal experience with Jesus, out of the personal encounter with Jesus that he can't keep it to himself. He's got to share it. And it's what we see in Acts chapter 4 as Peter and John, same John, are standing before the Sanhedrin, same religious group, same Jewish leaders that had Jesus crucified by the Romans. They're now standing before them just maybe a, a little over a month after. This is after Pentecost, and they're there. They're witnessing boldly for Jesus. And the, the religious leaders that had Jesus crucified by the Romans, they're looking at Peter, and they're looking at John. And the Bible declares there in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, that they realized that they had been with Jesus. No one can preach like that if they had not encountered him. Especially Peter, who messed up royally by denying him three times. Yes? You had to have had an encounter with Jesus, family. This is the exact same thing that happens to you when you recapture the wonder of Jesus. When you recapture the wonder of Jesus, your heart is moved to share Jesus out of personal experience. I don't know how many of you guys, maybe now or maybe in the past, have ever worked for retail. Anybody work for retail? Worked in retail, maybe fast food. You got clothing, you too, Pastor Gary? All right, I did too. Uh, in my teenage years, by the way, you know, this is just a part of the culture as a uh, Jamaican and Jamaican-American. We just, as soon as we get a job, I just, as soon as I could get a job in high school, immediately I started working and have never stopped since, right? <laughs> Very few breaks. And, uh, and so I started out in retail. I worked in food retail stores. I worked in clothing retail stores. And working for these companies, they gave me an employee discount. Hallelujah. Okay? 
And, and, and here's the idea behind the employee discount, right? The idea behind the employee discount and why these companies gave me, why they give us, those of us that have worked in retail an employee discount is so that we can actually, right, through that discount, they're hoping we will then partake, we will then eat, we will then buy, we will purchase whatever it is they're giving so that we can actually now sell that thing to somebody else from personal experience. I've, I'm wearing the brand. I've, eat, I've eaten the brand, yes? And if you're excited about it, then the person you're trying to communicate it to that you want to buy and experience it as well is maybe going to want to be persuaded to do the very same thing because you're sharing it out of what? Personal experience. And so I, I'm hearing somebody right now say, okay, well, you know, Pastor C, that's, that's really nice. But hey, look, real talk, CJ, um, John was an apostle in the first century. He actually witnessed, he actually saw the risen Christ. Of course he's going to be awestruck. Yeah? Anybody feeling that way today? Of course he's going to be awestruck, CJ. We are not actually having the privilege that he had to experience and witness the physical presence of the personal Christ. Is somebody thinking that way today? Okay. And, 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 and watch this. Yes, I, I'm hearing what you're saying if you're thinking that, but watch this. John actually records Jesus himself, John 20, Jesus himself, after his resurrection, speaking to Thomas. By the way, I think Thomas gets a bad rap. We call him Do Doubting Thomas. If you were watching Thomas ride and die with Jesus throughout those three and a half years, that was not uh, someone of weak faith, okay? But we can have these moments like Thomas did, didn't want to believe that Jesus was risen, that he was alive. And Jesus now, after he has now seen the risen Christ and he's touched him, right? Jesus says to him, he says, oh, so you believe because you have seen. He said, blessed are those who believe and have not yet seen. Blessed. You see, see what, we're, what we're discovering here from Jesus is that we can actually have an experience with Jesus. We can actually have an encounter with Jesus where we capture, recapture the wonder of Jesus, even though we have not yet physically touched him. And he even says we're even more blessed if we believe and if we experience him and have not yet physically touched him. And you may be saying, how is that possible? How can I, how can I experience Jesus personally and then share him out of that personal experience. Jesus, in John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40, you don't have to go there, but if you want, at some point later, maybe if you want, you can go ahead. John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40, Jesus is telling the Pharisees, religious leaders, he's saying that all scripture, how much of scripture? All scripture points to him. All scripture points to him. And that when you come to scripture, that when you approach it that way, you find life in him. He says, why won't you come to me that you may have life? And the context is coming to him by looking for him through the scripture. And then in the following chapter, John chapter 6, Jesus describes himself, spiritually speaking, as bread, right? The bread of life, the bread from heaven, yes? Relating himself to the story of the Exodus as manna, okay? He is the bread of life that he says, spiritually speaking, that he is to be digested and internalized. 
And then what he'll say a little bit later in the chapter, John chapter 6, then he'll say the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so what is Jesus essentially saying here? What Jesus is saying here is you can, even though it's not necessarily a physical encounter, you can truly be even greater blessed by actually internalizing me, by actually reflecting on me, by encountering and experiencing me. Watch this through reading, through meditating on scripture, praying, reading and meditating on scripture. Listen, with Jesus as the central focus. The Bible actually teaches that even in that experience, the Holy Spirit then brings the presence of Jesus to, to you and the Father in the Gospel of John. That you can have an experience with him, that you can believe. Matter of fact, we have actually an author in our church that says, she says that you can actually experience Jesus at a deeper, intimate level than the apostles did through the relationship with Jesus. A closer intimacy with him. And it's out of this experience that, again, you can't keep it to yourself. It just organically flows out. It has to come out. If you love something good enough, I mean, if you had some really good food, you've heard some really good music, and you're there with your best friend, you're going to share it. I don't even have to tell you to share it. You're just going to do it. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you share me out of a personal experience, it won't be forced. It'll be organic. And how do you do this? Listen, what you do is you tell your Jesus story. I don't know if you know your Jesus story, your testimony. We have testimonies that, yes, yeah, smaller testimonies, right, where I couldn't find my quarter and I just found my quarter. Thank you, Jesus. I want to testify today. But really what the Bible is getting at when it says to tell your testimony is to give witness, to testify to the crucified and risen Messiah and how you've come to faith in him and how he's transformed your life. That's your Jesus story. You need to become so familiar with your Jesus story. I even recommend write it down so that you can share a short version of your Jesus story. Essentially, what was your life before Jesus? How did you come to faith in Jesus through the gospel? And now how has your life been transformed? How are you living for him now that you've encountered Jesus? Write it down. Get, get so familiar with it that if you're in conversation with somebody in your sphere of influence, which is supposed to be happening, then you can simply just share your Jesus story, which is, listen, is the most powerful sermon you'll ever preach, more powerful than I'll ever be able to preach to them. Because they're witnessing in your life your Jesus story. It comes live. It has flesh on now, right? But there's one more thing that John wants you to see. If you want to recapture the wonder of experiencing Jesus, I want to bring you to verse four, verse three, verse three. It says that which we have seen and heard. He's repeating that again. That which we have experienced, he's saying that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you listen, that you also may have fellowship, that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ fellowship he's letting you know again i i'm, I'm communicating this with you out of my personal experience with him I've, I've met him have you met him i know him do you know him i'm sharing with you someone that i know and he's saying i'm sharing and here's the reason i'm sharing it with you i'm sharing him with you for the sole purpose, for the reason, so that you can enter into fellowship. 
with us who know and follow Jesus, right? And into fellowship with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Fellowship. The word there in Greek is koinonia. Koinonia means to share something in common. It's where we get the word communion or community, to enter into deep spiritual community like a family. That's koinonia. It means that you're entering into relationship with others where there is a, where there is a joint participation because you share Jesus in common. That's the word fellowship, right? And, 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 and the word fellowship for us here, John is trying to communicate, and it's so beautifully done there, John, as if John is here, right? He, he does it so well because what he's communicating there is love God, love people. That's what we were made for. Human flourishing was designed to exist in the context of loving relationships with God and the life of the Godhead, the life within the Godhead, which is love. And we're to experience that with one another. That's what we're inviting people into. You see, because if you want to recapture the wonder of experiencing Jesus, when you do so, you're going to be moved to invite those who hear into fellowship. You're going to be moved to invite those who hear in to fellowship. And this is bigger than merely a worship service on Sabbath morning. I remember back when my wife and I, early in our relationship, we were dating early in our relationship, and um, we were attending the same church. We met each other at that church, got married in that church. Um, and my wife had a friend who had recently joined our church. And when I say our church, I mean the, the denomination. But she was at a sister church in the area there in South Florida. And through the relationship that she had with her friend, uh, she began to share out of her own personal experience the, the emphasis that our church had on lifting Jesus up as central in all of, our, in all of what we believe and practice. Didn't Jesus say, if I am lifted up, I will draw? And so naturally, she's my wife, just sharing out of personal experience, her experience being in community with our church and her friend was drawn. Her friend became interested. And so her friend decided to come and experience initially a worship service. But after experiencing that a few times, she now says to my wife, she says, my girlfriend at the time, still dating, um, which is hard in the pandemic, but anyway, that's another conversation. Um, but what she says is she says, I wanna go deeper in, in, in seeing the Bible, in seeing our beliefs, in the light of the gospel. She says that to me. Because my wife's been saying, hey, and by the way, my, my, my husband just can't stop talking about Jesus. You know? Uh, and, and, and so, you know, so I, so I, I, I say, okay, great. Let's, let's schedule some time, Friday night, bringing the Sabbath together, and let's get some food, and, and, and let's pray together, and uh, let's just enjoy each other's company, talk about life, and then let's dive into Scripture together and journey through scripture that way. Well, she is a roommate. She was a roommate with a, a young couple. And as she's sharing with that young couple what she's getting excited about experiencing soon, they go, well, we want to be down. Like, it's going to be here, right? So let's all just do it together. So you end up now with five of us young adults meeting on Friday night, bringing in the Sabbath together, laughing together, eating food together, 
praying together, beginning to identify what our, each other's needs are in our lives and starting to meet those needs. And then over time, they began to occasionally bring friends over that are not a part of our church. See, this is, this is koinonia. This is fellowship. God is inviting us into Trinity life, the life of the Godhead, which is love. See, see what we were designed to see, the, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, are, a, are a fellowship of three persons. And that's why they, they, they designed us in their image, in his image, to replicate the same experience with them, but the same life and love that they have, we're to also have replicated in our relationships here on earth. This is, by the way, why Jesus, when he's defining for us the foundational form of church, he says, wherever, how many? Two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in their, in their midst. He's, he's letting you know that this is foundational to how my church is going to be built. And this is why when you read the Gospels, and particularly when you read the New Testament in general with the early church, this is why you'll see them literally following what Jesus modeled. He's, if you really read, especially the Gospel of Luke, he's always at some banquet or dinner. And they end up having conversation about Scripture and how his coming now has, has redefined all of that. And so, and so Jesus is letting you know, he's like, listen, listen, I've, I've, I've literally designed you for fellowship, small group fellowship. I mean, th th this is why in the New Testament, they're going from house to house, right? They're praying together. They're, they're eating together. They're meeting each other's needs and, and, and they're looking at scripture in light of the gospel. And then they're inviting other people into the same experience, just organically people in their relational streams, family members, friends, people in their spheres of influence. And literally, this is how the church multiplied without all the budgets and marketing and buildings and all that stuff that came after Constantine. Just, just simple, it, it, you know. And so this literally is what, what it means to make disciples, right? So, so, so if we really have encountered the love of God, in Jesus and him crucified for us, then, then our hearts should be moved out of gratitude and love for our Savior King to want to fulfill his great commission, which is as you're going about life in the spaces and places where you do life, make disciples. And for many of us, this has been overcomplicated. When really, I believe if you look at what Jesus actually modeled in the New Testament and taught, it's actually quite simple. And, 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 and here at Vienna, they say, by the way, that the bigger a church gets in its corporate worship gathering, in its large corporate worship experience, the larger a church gets, the smaller it needs to get in small groups meeting throughout the week in order for people to biblically experience koinonia, fellowship. Here at Vienna, we have, we've wrapped language around this. We call it grow groups. Lord, that, that, that's, just, that's just the language that grow group. Yeah, we grow together, learning how to live and love like Jesus in small group fellowship. But we're just doing what Jesus did and what the Bible said. And, 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 and a church of our size, really and truly, should have a minimum of 20 grow groups meeting throughout the week. And we currently have seven. And so so I'm, I'm wondering, who wants to recapture 
the wonder of the experience of Jesus. I'm wondering who wants to be obedient to the call to enter into the experience in a, in a personal experience and encounter with Jesus, but then inviting others into that experience through fellowship. Because John says that when you do this, in verse number four, he says, I'm writing you these things, I'm telling you these things, so that you may be full of joy. He's literally just repeating what Jesus taught in the upper room in John chapter 15, in, in verse 11, I believe it is, where he says, I tell you these things, and what was Jesus talking about? Abiding in him after the crucifixion and resurrection. And he's talking about loving one another, which we do best, according to the Bible, in small groups. And he says, I tell you these things, Jesus is saying, so that your joy may be full. So, so I want your heart to hear what Jesus is saying and offering to all of us today. Jesus wants you to have fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. That can't be contained when we get here on Sabbath morning. Fullness of joy that spills out into your life, but it happens when you recapture the experience with Jesus through sharing him out of personal experience and inviting others into fellowship. And for some of us, it begins by going to the cross of Calvary. Go back there daily in scripture and I believe you'll experience the fullness of joy. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.